0: Lord, open our eyes to see your word, our ears to hear them, and our hearts to receive them. Amen. Do sit down. Can you remember going back to a place that you haven't visited since childhood? It can be a strange experience, can't it? Many things seem familiar, others may have changed hugely. New buildings added, facilities updated, technology installed. It may seem smaller than you remember. Perhaps you feel you've outgrown it. It's Like a primary school, isn't it? Your, your, your body will no longer fit on those tiny little chairs anymore. And most schools, as I remember as as someone who went into um, lots of local schools before I went into ministry, had their own familiar smell, which you'd recognise even if you'd been blindfolded. I'm sure if if some of you thought you'd remember what your school smelt like. My country primary school... Smelt of dusty wooden floors, and I remember st james 's school smelt faintly of the boys toilets it wasn 't too awful, but it was just there. If you went then you know you knew you were in st james 's and St paul's smelt of stale potatoes that had been stepped into the uh, unsealed floorboards over many 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 years and the infants had a lovely smell no one could identify what it was but it was there and it all contributed to the character of the place and all of them were schools where there was so much love and care and attention but that smell kind of identified it. And even though the smell of polish on wooden desks has been replaced these days by a fragranced antibacterial spray on a wipeable service, the memories come floating back, reminding you of the times when school was your whole world. And then... What it felt like as you finally reached your last day and a whole way of life had suddenly come to an end. You were no longer going to be the big kids in year six. You were going to be the little ones in year seven in a big school where you knew hardly anybody. And there was that feeling that you just wanted the journey to end there and then. While the memories were still good, you didn't want anything to spoil it. Like today's gospel teaching, just when Jesus' followers think that his his story is all over, there comes a new twist. As a new week dawns, John tells us how a grieving Mary Magdalene comes to Jesus' tomb to see that its heavy sealing stone had been removed. Shocked to find an open grave, she assumes that Jesus' body has been stolen and off she runs to fetch the disciples. John, as we heard, was the first to arrive and takes a peek inside, but it's good old fearless Peter, who, true to form, actually goes inside to discover that the Lord's body has indeed gone. The obvious conclusion is that the robber has been at work and the body has been stolen. Human nature naturally interprets what is unfamiliar in the light of what we already know in the world. It could only have been something bad that had happened. But that explanation just just won't fit. The grave clothes is still there. What robber would stop to unwrap a body before taking it? Or leave the coverings behind with the head section separate and neatly rolled? John, that other (coughs) disciple, senses that there's something much more going on. He doesn't yet understand quite what it is, but he dares to believe that this is Jesus, extraordinary in his lifetime, is at the center of something more amazing yet to come. (coughs) He doesn't grasp the full story, but what he knows is that it's just not an old story of a dead hero. Left alone to weep, Mary takes a look into the tomb for herself and she sees the two angels. Where had they come from? They're sitting exactly where Jesus' body has lain. And yet they ask her why she's weeping. Things are growing stranger by the minute. She turns around to see another figure behind her. He too seems to have come out of nowhere. Common sense tells her that this man is probably the gardener. And if so, he's bound to know where Jesus' body has gone. As he answers, he addresses her by name. That one word, Mary. And that reaches right into the deepest part of her being, and she knows that it's Jesus who stands before her. He is alive. But this is not merely a joyful reunion of old friends. Jesus instructs Mary to go to the disciples, whom he now refers to as my brothers, and tells them of his forthcoming ascension. Unlike Lazarus, whom Jesus brought back to life in this world in a resuscitated body, Jesus himself now heralds God's new creation in a resurrection body that is qualitatively different. And this may well explain in part why Mary doesn't recognise him at first. And of course he's also the last person that she would expect to see standing before her, overflowing with life. As we read the story, we too may have our surprises. Jesus has just risen from the dead, defeating death and confounding his enemies. It's the most unprecedented and unique event in history. And yet the resurrected Jesus first reveals himself in a garden to a woman with little status, either among his earthly followers or in her own culture. Why did Jesus not proclaim God's vindication directly to his enemies by visiting the Sanhedrin or knocking on Pilate's door? because it's all part of the mystery of God's kingdom ways. They're way, way beyond our earthly ways. Remember those words that we say so often in the Eucharist. Great is the mystery of faith. If there were no mystery, we wouldn't need to have faith. Serving Jesus as Lord and Saviour brings change and challenge. We may long for him to restore aspects of our lives to how they were. We may long to be taken back to those carefree days of primary school or some other favourite part of our lives. But with Jesus... The journey is always in a forward direction. What he's done for us in the past is in the past. It's formed part of the foundation on which we build our faith. He's made us stronger, prepared us for the next step on the journey. Jesus' life growing in us makes all things new. Even in our later years, he still has surprises in store for us. There's no such thing as retirement in God's kingdom. And I can certainly vouch for that. On the journey to eternal life, he gives us the strength to keep going. If we're walking in faith with him, it will be a peaceful journey. Not necessarily always smooth, but always with the reassurance that he's with us and there is nothing to fear. And as we face the end of life seasons, the failed ambition, a job done, a child grown up, and mourn our losses, the risen Jesus can meet us in the places where we least expected. Just as Mary Magdalene wanted to reach out and touch the Jesus she had known and loved for so long, we too can be tempted to hold on to the Lord just as we have known him on our journey so far, because it's familiar and cosy and unthreatening. But he calls us not to cling to him as a crying child clings to its mother's skirts, but to keep following him and to allow ourselves the freedom of having our lives transformed in ways we could never have imagined or hoped for. Although we don't know what that transformation will look like or where it will take us, we can trust the one whose mighty power has raised Jesus from the dead and whose love for us is limitless. Whatever the mysteries of our root, our destiny in Christ is glorious the fragrances of the past will be replaced by the fragrances of the glorious future that he has in store for us and longs to share with us. Amen.